it just in the raw when it really just happened in Acts the eighth chapter and and when Philip went down and he spoke with the Ethiopian uh, that that there really wasn't a lot of preparation. I'm just going to read quickly from Acts the eighth chapter. Turn there in your Bibles if you want to. But I think that we all know the verse where it says, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And then it, uh, it really tells us, you know, many places in Acts where people were baptized. And really you can go into Romans the fifth and uh, sixth chapters and you can see that uh, baptism is a symbolic thing where you go down into the water and uh, that is an identification of Jesus' death and burial. And it doesn't stop there. And if you're being held underwater, you're really glad that it doesn't stop there. But anyway, and then coming up out of that water, uh, it is really symbolic of Jesus' resurrection. And we are raised together with him, the Bible says. And we sit in heavenly places with him, the Bible says. Above all principality, power, and might, every name that's named in heaven and on earth. The Bible talks about that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's positionally. That's that now we're not uh, under condemnation, but we're in Christ. We are the body of Christ. He and us, us and him. And so then we see that that picture of going down the water and coming up. In Peter, it talks about how the world was filled with sin and God brought water. And, uh, and the great flood and the world was cleansed from all the unrighteousness. And the only family left was Noah, who had found favor with God and was a righteous man, we know. And then he, there was a new beginning after, and there was a typology of baptism, Peter says, uh, that was given to us through uh, retelling the story of the flood. And so that's an amazing thing. And so we've got this sense of cleansing not the flesh, or not that baptism causes you to be born again, but baptism, just like when you get born again, your spirit is made new and clean from sin, when you get baptized, your soulish man, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, gets cleansed because now you've obeyed God to be a public witness. And so when we understand the public witness, we see that Jesus called all of his disciples publicly. And he said, if you are uh, you know, not willing to confess me before men, I'll not confess you before the Father. So therefore, the uh, being ashamed and an undercover Christian and uh, and which is really a sinfulness and being ashamed of, of God, uh, you're, you're cleansed from that. And you kind of come out of the closet. How many of you know that Christians need to come out of the closet more than anybody? That's what baptism is, coming out of the closet. It's openly stating and making known. You know, the devil wants to emulate everything Christians do. And so we can see that then you have the story of how Philip went down and he preached to this Ethiopian guy, and he was a seeker, and he was going to Jerusalem and he was going to go there to worship, and he was coming back out of there, and uh, Philip the evangelist was there, and, and the Holy Spirit said this to him, and he uh, said, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is the desert. And he arose and he went, and behold, a man, an Ethiopian, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of, e- of the Ethiopians had the charge of all her treasure, he was the treasurer, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He was a seeker. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he read Isaiah the prophet. And so the word of God was coming to him, faith comes by hearing, and the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself the chariot. That's praying that labors would go. And, they, uh, and he went, and Philip ran thither to the to him and heard him read 
the prophet Isaiah is saying, understandest what thou readest? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? You know, it says, how shall they preach except they be sent? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It says that in Romans 10. And he said this, how can I except some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come and sit with him. And the place of the scriptures which read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation and his judgment, he was taken away. And who shall declare to this generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip, and he said, I pray of thee whom speaketh the prophet, of himself or some man. Then Philip opened his mouth, and he began at that same uh, scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So here's a guy who a few moments earlier was a lost guy coming from Jerusalem, reading a Bible, doesn't know what it means, and he asks Philip, Philip leads him to the Lord, and he's baptizing him minutes after he gets saved, minutes after he's a total lost person. So let me tell you something. When it comes to baptism, I'm always ready for something and someone if they want to be spontaneous and they want to be baptized. They want to make a commitment to Christ. They want to get right with God, and they want to be baptized. Because you know what? That's what the Bible teaches is how they did it in the day when uh, the apostles were on the earth. Amen. Well, let's bow our heads. We're going to get into the message today. And my message today is on faithfulness. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for faithfulness. We thank you that you're a faithful God. And Father, we thank you that uh, faithfulness is a key to qualifying ourselves for use. Father, we thank you that a faithful man will abound with blessings, the Bible says. And Father, we come today and we ask that you'd give clarity of mind, articulation of speech, and boldness of spirit. Father, to speak the word of God. Father, to speak it as an oracle. Father, with your anointing and your power. And Father, I pray each one here today would have ears to hear and a heart to receive and a will to be a doer of the word. And Father, that you would bless us in our doing. And Father, you'd transform us and change us and cause us to be conformed to your image today. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Well, you know, when I think about faithfulness, I think about a story that I heard several years ago about a pastor who was a faithful pastor who had uh, raised up a large church and uh, was very much a person who was beyond himself. He wasn't just about himself in ministry. He'd been very successful. He'd raised up this large church, but he also had supported 50 different parachurch ministries. You know, a lot of, you know, like missionaries, a lot of like TV evangelists, a lot of like Bible schools, maybe Bible translators, a lot like what we do, you know. He, he had, for years, had given out monthly donations in service. You know, we, we send monthly money to our missionaries. You know, we'll, we'll send $100 here and $100 here. And he did this for 25 years, and he had done it with 50 different ministries that were parachurch ministries, television ministries, radio ministries, missionaries, I mean, all kinds of different ministries, very successful church, uh, very much a giving church, very much had supported other people beyond himself, and had done this for 
uh, 25 years with 50 different ministries. I mean, what, what a great guy. And then he had a, a, a terrible split in his church, and, and there broke out all kinds of problems, and, and people left, and, and the church faltered, and, and, the, and the tenants went way down, the finances went way down, and they had just had entered into a building program. You know, how many of the devil will always try to hit you at your weakest moment? Anybody notice that? And so here he had, uh, they had started this new building program. And, you know, when you get into building programs, a lot of times there's people that do want to do it. There's people that don't want to do it. And, you know, somebody wants pink carpet, somebody wants purple carpet. I mean, there's no telling where the controversy started, but he lost all these people. And then, you know, with people living, that finances go way down. And, and, and it was a terrible situation. And then it got worse, and then it got worse, and it got worse, and he couldn't pay the bills, and he, and he, couldn't, he, he couldn't pay... Uh, all these different ministries that he'd been supporting because he couldn't even pay his bills because he couldn't pay for the contractors and all the work that had been done and, and everything just went south on him. And he said, you know what? In the kingdom of God, there should be you know, reciprocity. You know, you, 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 how many of you know love's not supposed to be a one-way street? He said, I'm going to write a letter to every one of those 50 ministries. And, you know, I've given to them for 25 years. I have been faithful. Everybody say, faithful. I have been faithful for 25 years. How many of you know 25 years is a long time? I mean, I'd hate to serve a prison sentence for that long. 25 years, faithful. Money every month you could count, never missed. Guy was faithful. He wrote to every single one of those parachurch ministries. He said, I've fallen into hard times. He explained his situation. He told about his plight, how that they were in a building project and that there was a huge split and the people left and it was left with the, the bag in his hand and, he, and the money was, was gone and, and the situation was terrible. And could they please maybe just consider maybe a one-time offering and just help him because he just had to get some money to pay off a, a, a certain payment and maybe it could get him in the clear long enough and and whatever, and just, you know, just one time. Of those 50 ministries, how many of you think sent an offering? Not one single one. Not a single solitary. And only one returned with the letter. And the letter said, if you'll sow a seed into our ministries, God will bless you. That's just what he needed to hear about then, wasn't it? How many of you think there's something terribly wrong here? See, the Bible says every man will proclaim his own goodness. And one translation says every man will proclaim how faithful he is. But God says, but who can really find truly a faithful man? Faithfulness is a very rare commodity. And there is a complex that we think we're faithful but if we ever added up all the times that we haven't been in whatever, giving attendance, meeting somebody's need, uh, serving, I don't know how you want to quantify that or qualify that. But the Bible says truly that there is very few that understand what faithfulness really means. But let me tell you something, but God is faithful to us. 
and God loves us. Turn with me to Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter in verse nine. I want to look at something there, and it says, it says, know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God. He's called the faithful God. Everybody say, the faithful God. You know. He is God the faithful. You know, I could say Kurt, the faithful Kurt. J.D., the faithful J.D. And, and, and did, would, would your name be associated with faithfulness if somebody asked today? We've got to ask ourselves that. Now listen to this. He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant. Covenant just means the agreement, the contract. He keeps his side of the contract. Which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him. Key, everybody say that love him. You know, if we draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to us. He's a covenant God. He's a reciprocity God. He is the God of faithfulness, which keepeth covenant. Now, listen. Keepeth covenant mercy with just anybody. Oh, excuse me. With them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. See, if we're faithful to him, he's, I, I am here to tell you today that God, salvation is free. There's no strings attached. There's no doing. There's only receiving. Can I get an amen? amen. But relationship and blessings. Now turn to your neighbor and say, now Pastor Bill said relationship and blessings. Say, say that. Is very different. Because we draw nine to God and he draws nine to us. And James wrote that to Christians, by the way, over there in James 4.10. That wasn't, that wasn't written to lost people about salvation. It was written to save people about their relationship with God because he said, he tells them to cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, and draw nigh unto God, he'll draw nigh unto you. And he's talking to Christians when he's saying that. You see, faithfulness, I believe this, when we get faithful, then we can have faith for God's faithfulness. But when you're unfaithful, you know, if, if, if you were found cheating on your wife, it'd be hard for you to believe for your wife to continue to be faithful to you. Can I get an amen? You see, if you're found unfaithful, see, see God's, God's already died on the cross. He already paid for our sins. He already offered us and gave us salvation free. And all we have to do is use our faith and believe and receive it. Can I get an amen? But faithfulness, and covenant, and reciprocity, and getting healed, and receiving prosperity, having the joy of the Lord, and walking in the blessings of God, that's not just, well, praise the Lord, it's already, no, that is that we have to be faithful, and we have to sow into that relationship, and it says that he is faithful to those, now let me read it again, who keepeth covenant, and mercy with them that keep his commandments. Well, that's Old Testament. Well, see, we have a New Testament commandment. It's called love. Can I get an amen? amen? See, we're supposed to walk in love. And when we are faithful and we walk in love, we keep all those commandments that are back in the Old Testament. The law of God is written in our heart because the law of God, the love of God was shed abroad in our heart. Everybody say that with me. The law of God is written on our heart because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. 
you know, I'm taking Ezekiel and, and I'm taking Hebrews about the law of God being on our heart and several other places. And then I'm taking Romans 5 where it says the love of God is shed abroad in our heart when we're born again. And I'm interpreting one with the other, taking it in context and seeing that the love of God is in our heart. And the love of God always fulfills the law of God because the love of God, when you do it, you keep all the Ten Commandments because if you're walking in the love of God, you won't break the law of God to not steal from your neighbor, not covet his wife, commit adultery with her, or kill, or do all those things. How many if you're walking in love, you won't do those things, amen? And so when we understand that, that the love of God in our heart causes us to fulfill the law of God in our heart, when we walk in love, we begin to fulfill the law, and we begin to do his commandments, and we begin to be faithful to him, and he's faithful to us. And then all of a sudden, supernatural things, we start seeing healing, we start seeing deliverance, we start seeing uh, getting prospered and blessed and having joy, and, and all the things that the Bible says belong to us, but we've got to keep covenant with God. Can I get an Amen. Now, you can still go to heaven, but that doesn't mean that you've kept covenant and you've got all the covenant blessings coming your way. We've got to walk in faithfulness. Every turn to your neighbor and say, we've got to walk in faithfulness. See, the Bible says, great is thy faithfulness, and his mercies are new every morning. God's faithfulness is immense, and we need to tap into it. Like, his forgiveness is immense, but we've got to tap into it. His healing is immense, but by faith, Jesus said, uh, you know, the two blind men came to him over there in Matthew, and they asked him if he could heal him. He says, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Out of the 17 healings in the New Testament Gospels, 12 of them, he said, it was their faith, not his. And it wasn't necessarily initiated by him because the woman with issue of blood came up and surprised him when she touched him, and, and virtue went out of his body, and she got healed. So we, we see, we have a part to play in this thing. And God's, God's faithfulness is great. God is the faithful God, and he keeps covenant with those who are faithful. God's faithfulness is great. Psalms 119.90, thy faithfulness is to all generations. David said in Psalms 89.1, David said that he would make known his faithfulness to all generations. God's faithfulness, that is. How do you do that? The Bible. And what, how did the Bible come to pass? The Bible was his life and his words recorded. Can I get an Amen. See, man is very, God is very faithful, but man in the Old Testament was very unfaithful. In Jeremiah 3 and 8, let's, as a matter of fact, let's just turn to a few of these verses. We're going to talk about how unfaithful mankind can be and how unfaithful in the Old Testament because they couldn't even help themselves. They, I mean, there, there was just very few people that were really faithful in the Old Testament. Look at 3 and 8, and it says this, And I saw when for all thy causes whereby thy backsliding Israel committed adultery and had put her away and given her a bill of divorce, yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. Well, there were two kingdoms, you know, the northern and southern kingdom, and they both were unfaithful. They were both committing spiritual adultery. Do you know God considers it spiritual adultery when you don't serve him and you love the things of the world more than you love him? He calls that spiritual adultery. He calls that unfaithfulness. In the New Testament in Luke, it talks about how when the master calls for everybody to come to the great banquet, one, you know, it says, well, I've got, you know, I've got some land I've got to attend to. That's possessions. And one says, well, I've got to go buy an ox. Uh, that's business. That, that's, you know, the thing that you used to make money back in those days was your ox in an agrarian society. And the other one says, I've got to go to a wedding. And, and they put that. In other words, put all these things over God. 
And he said none of the excuses were acceptable. And they were adulterous towards God because they loved their family, they loved their possessions, they loved their occupation, their business, and what they did for a living, their vocation, more than they loved God. See, they murmured against God in the Old Testament when Moses, very interesting, Moses, he went up and uh, he interceded for Israel and they murmured against God and he interceded for them to God. They're there murmuring to God about Moses and Moses is there praying to God for them. Two different types of people. Exodus 31. God went up and he was on the mountain get the Ten Commandments, the word of God for the people and the people were down there making golden, golden calves because they didn't like that Moses had left. Moses was faithful, the people were unfaithful. The people murmured, he prayed for them. The people made idols, he was getting the word of God, the Ten Commandments for them, and up on the mountain in that holy place with God for them. So there are some people that are just faithful and some people that they're just not faithful. Proverbs, it says, who can find that faithful man? You know, Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. And he was always faithful to the Lord. I mean, he was always faithful to his heavenly father. But you see, it's because man's heart in the Old Testament, was so wicked. Turn with me, and we're going to go over to, to another scripture, Psalms 5 and 9. And we can see that naturally man, in his own natural state, has a sense of unfaithfulness. That he doesn't have a sense of being faithful about anything in life. Because that's just his natural way. And, and thank God we're not in the Old Testament anymore. We're in the New Testament. Can I get an Amen. Psalms 5, 9, it says this, For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Why? And the next part of the verse tells you, Their inward part is very wickedness. Woo! There's no faithfulness on the outside because there's only wickedness on the inside. But how many of you know in the New Testament, in Galatians 5, 22, faithfulness is a fruit of the born-again spirit. It says, now, you know, love, hope, and it talks about faith, or if you look it up in the original, it means faithfulness. When we got born again, how many of you know, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the inward man which is created after Christ in true holiness and righteousness. When you got born again, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Everybody say new creation. Behold, all things have become new. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. In other words, when we got born again, we got the righteousness of God living on the inside in our spirit, man. And, you know, now we can be faithful. Turn around and say, we can be faithful now. See, it's not like the Old Testament. They, 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 had, they were wicked on the inside, and so they couldn't be faithful on the outside. They were like, you know, people that were spiritual adulteries. Matter of fact, God so wanted to communicate that to his people in Hosea 1, 2, and 3. God told the prophet of God to marry a harlot. Marry a prostitute. You know, I, I don't, you know, if, if God told me to go marry a prostitute, I would say, get thee behind me, devil. But God, God told Hosea to marry a prostitute. Now, he didn't say for all of us to do that. But that's, a, that's one of those. And then, before all of Israel, the prophet in Israel had a wife that always went around being a harlot and, as it says, whoring after others and was like this prostitute and was always unfaithful. And everybody in Israel knew it, and everybody could see it, and hey, they were the scandal. And they said, oh, how terrible they are. Oh, my gosh, that prophet. Look at his wife's cheating on him again. Oh, my God. And God says, that's you guys. Wow. And the only reason why I did it is to show you what you're like to deal with. 
Wow. Can you imagine? Aren't you glad we live in the New Testament? <laughs> Praise God. And we don't have to be wicked on the inside and be unfaithful. We can be faithful because God has changed us on the inside to have a fruit of the Holy Spirit called faithfulness. Somebody say faithfulness. Wow. I'm so glad that God is merciful and he made us to be faithful and gracious. Amen? Amen. See, I like that verse of scriptures that it says in Proverbs 28, 2. 28:20. It says, a faithful man will abound with blessings. To your neighbor say, a faithful man will abound with blessings. Amen. I like faithfulness. I like faithful people. I like being faithful. You know, when I was pastoring at uh, a church called Lighthouse Tabernacle in Indianapolis, Indiana, it was my first church I ever uh, was a part of as, as far as on the ministry team. And I was a, an associate pastor last, slash, excuse me, youth pastor. And I went to that church and, and I served faithfully. And, and there was a lot of difficult things that I, I didn't understand why, you know, uh, he had me out. It was 104 degrees and I had to dig a four foot by four foot uh, hole in the front yard of the church so that they could pour it full of concrete and put up a great big tall pole with a, a flagpole on it. And I, and I kept wondering, why am I doing this instead of the guy that's the paid custodian? You know what? I think my pastor was testing me to see how faithful I was going to be. I think he was testing me to see if I was going to keep a good attitude. How many of you know, on the inside, you don't want to have have a good attitude, but on the outside, you need to keep a good attitude. Can I get an amen? I remember uh, one person, he was a missionary, and he was from India, and he had, I I think James Santhusen has 600 churches. And he asked his son, he says, I want you to do this and this and this. And he says, I want you to go uh, to America and I want you uh, to do these certain meetings and I want you to be my interpreter. And, and, and he says, well, Dad, I, 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 why are you asking me to do that? What, you already got an interpreter. You already got a team to do that. And, and he said, because the Lord told me to test you to see if you'd be faithful. How many of God will just test you to see if you're going to be faithful? Amen. Sure is quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. But you know why he wants to test you? Not to see if you're not going to be. He wants to test you so you can have an opportunity to prove yourself and show yourself faithful. Because a faithful man will abound with blessings. He's giving you an opportunity to get blessed when you're faithful. He's giving you an opportunity to get blessed by being faithful. See, And I like this, I I heard a preacher saying this just in recent times, that really, when you look in the Bible, it doesn't say that the, it doesn't really say that uh, God wants to test you. How many of you know that the Bible talks about in James, that when you're tested of the devil, how many of you know the testing really comes from the devil? The devil wants to test you to see if he can take you out. He's testing you to see if you can hold on. He's going to test you to keep, to see if you can keep from caving in and and giving out and giving in. And and he, he, he wants to test, but God, he doesn't want to test you to see if you're going to fail. He is like a guy who's got a great prize fighter and he manages that prize fighter and he doesn't want to test you. He wants to prove you in front of everybody. 
He wants to prove the greatness, that seed that lives within you, that seed of greatness that he put within you, that when it gets proved, it shows itself more than a conquer and always triumphs and is a victor and overcomes this world with victory when it's, t- when it's attacked by the devil. It's the devil testing to try to take you down. It's God proving you to try to show you and the world and everybody that's against you that you can be a victor over those things. Can I get an amen? See, we, we really get it backwards. We really get it upside down. We really, you know, see uh, the glass half empty instead of half full. God wants to prove us, and the way he wants to prove us is with faithfulness. He wants to show that a person that's born again is not like that wicked old world out of the Old Testament where everybody was committing spiritual adultery, where everybody had to be shown when they married the prophet married the harlot and had to be shown how wickedly unfaithful they were as a people. And he wants to prove that we're not like the Old Testament saints, but that we are born again, that we have the fruit of the Spirit, that we're recreated with holiness and righteousness on the inside of us and that we can be proved faithful in front of everybody. Because let me tell you, in the world, who can find a faithful man? You know, I did it. I was asked by the, uh, uh, what, what do they call it that, that improves the community? It's, it's the office downtown. Chamber called me and said, we want you to be a part of a kind of a coalition to go around and ask people that are in business in this town and give them a survey and ask them what their greatest problem is today uh, in businesses in Oskaloosa and what can we do to make Oskaloosa more prosperous and and the businesses better and what can the city do and and what can we do and you give them this survey and you ask them what you know what they want and what what their greatest need is and what their greatest problem is and without exception every single business I asked they said the greatest problem we have is that we can't find faithful people to show up to work. We can't find people that will be faithful enough to keep their word. We can't find people faithful to do the job. Without exception, every single solitary one said our biggest problem is we can't find faithful people. As Christians, we should distinguish ourselves. We should delineate ourselves. We should cause ourselves to stand out as the faithful. Somebody say amen. Because, see, that Old Testament crowd, they were not faithful. They were a very unfaithful group. And God put it in our heart, in our born-again spirit, the fruit of our spirit, which is produced in us by the Holy Spirit, but it's coming out of our spirit that is now made one with the Holy Spirit. And one of those fruits is that we are faithful on the inside. We can't let the, our flesh get the best of us and make us unfaithful on the outside. Can I get an amen? See, blessed is the man. It says, the faithful man will abound. Everybody say abound with blessings. Let's look at a few examples in the Old Testament. It said that Joseph, how many of you know jo- Joseph? It didn't start out very good with Joseph. You know, his daddy liked him. He gave him a coat with many colors, and he got exalted. He had some dreams about how he was going to be, uh, you know, how all his brothers are going to bow down to him. And he had a couple of dreams, and... And one was more symbolic, and the other one was a little bit easier to understand. But the bottom line was all, all the brothers were going to bow down to him. And they thought that meant, meant that he was going to be some big honcho over them. But what it meant is that someday God's going to put him in a position to save their lives. Yeah. And so they got really mad at him. They threw him in a pit, tried to get rid of him permanently. 
And he was just faithful. You know, he faithfully kept his attitude and never, and he forgave them. He faithfully got pulled out of that pit and was working for a guy by the name of Potiphar. And he says he was so faithful that God prospered the house of Potiphar because Joseph worked there. You know, if you had somebody here in Oskaloosa and they went and worked at a certain job, and if they were that faithful and that excellent, uh, that it would cause the business of the person that they were working for to prosper. It says, God, it says God prospered Potiphar because, just because, Joseph worked for him. And Joseph was faithful. Amen. And then Potiphar's unfaithful wife tried to get Joseph to go to bed with her. And she seduced him. And you know what? Good old Joseph was what? Was he unfaithful or was he faithful? He has faithfully said, no, you may be unfaithful, Mrs. Potiphar, but I'm a faithful dude. I'm a, I'm a righteous dude, like it says on the radio. He says, I'm faithful. He says, I'm not going to do that. And, of course, she was unfaithful. She lied about him, got him thrown in prison. And you know what? And when he went to the prison, it, it, it caused the whole prison to prosper so much because he was such a faithful guy that the prison the head of the prison put him in charge, and he prospered. How many of you know a faithful man, it doesn't make any difference if he's, if he's in, a, in a pit or in a prison, God will still have him abound with blessings. Amen. And two guys came, and he interpreted their dreams, and they got blessed, and they went, and over the course of time, he got taken out of prison, and everything he touched, whether I don't, if it was Potiphar's house, whether it was the prison, he, he got blessed, and because he was faithful. Everybody say he was faithful. Then he became the head of all of Egypt, and he was put in charge of all the finances of Egypt. And he became probably the second wealthiest man in all of Egypt next to the Pharaoh. The second most powerful man in all of Egypt next to the Pharaoh. And he did the greatest act of redemption in saving his family from destruction and a famine probably anybody could ever have done in all of Israel and all of Egypt. And, and he saved them. And, and how many would say Joseph was abounding with blessings? He was a faithful man. Then you got Elisha. And Elisha served Elijah for 25 years. He was his servant, and he washed the hands of Elijah. And he was a faithful man to serve, and for 25 years he served. And then at the prophet schools and all these different locations, they said, did you know, did you know that your master that you served, Mr. Elisha, that the great prophet Elijah, your master, did you know that the Lord's going to take him away today? And he went around to all these prophet schools, and, and all the prophets, because they were prophets, God had spoken to them, and they knew that old Elijah was going to be taken away. He's going to be taken out of the scene. And all those young prophets at the prophet schools were hoping, just maybe, I can be the successor. Maybe he'll pass his mantle on to me. Maybe he'll give his anointing to me. Maybe this thing that we've been studying for, that we go to school for, maybe when the great prophet steps aside, maybe one of us will be chosen. And he went to Bethel, and he went to Gilgal, and he went to all these places, all these prophet schools. And you know what? He didn't choose any of them. All of them knew he was going to be taken up that day. Elijah now knows, I mean, excuse me, Elisha now knows he's going to be taken up that day. Elijah himself knows he's going to be taken up that day. And that means that he has to choose a successor. And he ignored all those three schools through all those prophet sons, studying in their prophet classes how to be the next prophets. And he ignored all of them. And he turned to Elisha, the humble servant who had been faithful to him. Remember, say faithful to him. And he says, and what do you want? And he said, and he was smart because he said, I'll take a double portion. <laughs> so I'm not messing. I've been, I've been working for you for 25 years now. Now I'm going to believe for something big. 
And he says, that's a hard thing to ask. But when I, if I go up in the chariot, it's yours. And sure enough, he went up in the chariot. The mantle came down. It fell on Elisha. And he got the double anointing portion. And he did twice as many miracles as Elijah the prophet. How many would say a faithful man would abound with blessings? You got Joshua, who for 40 years served under Moses. When they wanted to go into the promised land, and God gave the word to go in, and uh, the 12 spies went out, the 10 came back, said, we can't do it, there's giants, there's walls, there's problems. There's issues, complicated, we can't do it. And Joshua says, no, we're more than well able to, let's do it. And then they all murmured, and when they were all murmuring against Moses, Joshua and Caleb stilled the people and spoke on his behalf. And Joshua and Caleb were faithful, and Joshua faithfully served him for 40 years with a bunch of rebellious and unfaithful people of the Old Testament who were always chiding against God, chiding against problems everywhere all the time. Nothing would go right. People were getting bit by snakes and having to repent and do all kinds of things. But Joshua just stayed faithful through it all. And when it was all said and done, Moses says, bring him to me. I'm going to lay my hands on him. And he got anointed, and what Moses could not do which was to take God's people in the promised land. Joshua took God's people into the promised land and was totally victorious. How many would say, a faithful man will abound with blessings? See, we could talk about, oh, we could talk on and on and on and on. See, faithfulness is the qualifier for greatness. It's a qualifier. Uh, faithfulness is the great qualifier of God for whatever uh, you have. You know, in the world, how many of you know, uh, if you want to qualify for something, you know, uh, it's usually your education. You send in a resume. You get a referral. It's who you know. It's how much talent you have. It's your personality. It's your ability to influence. It's your leadership training that you've had. And all these things that get you a position with God that, that qualifies you, you know. Uh, you know, you wouldn't send, if, if you were sending a, a, a resume in, you wouldn't just send, uh, I'm faithful. They would laugh you out of the room. They would say, you're faithful. How many years of school have you had? What do you have, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, you got a PhD? How many years of experience do you have, buddy? Uh, how much leadership training do you have? I, I want to know your personality uh, trait. I want to give you a personality assessment test. Uh, I want to know uh, who, who is referring you. I want to see your uh, references and, and where you've worked in your work. And, and... But really, God says, all those things are wrapped up in how faithful. Because, you know, if you're faithful, you'll accomplish all those things. Somebody say amen. You'll be faithful to finish your school. You'll be faithful to show up every day. You'll be faithful to turn people's hearts towards you and get good references. You'll be faithful to be able to build a good career and a great resume. You'll be faithful to do all these things. But, see, people don't think in terms of, is somebody faithful? But, you know, when I went around and all these businesses said, we can't find anybody faithful. So how did their, how did their resume do for you? Did that help you out any? How did their education do to help you? How about their ability to influence? Well, they influenced the other people not to work too. (laughs) Wonderful. What good was it that who they knew? What good was the referrals and the influence? What good was the education? Because they said, our biggest problem is we can't find a faithful man. How many of you know it says that in Proverbs? Their unfaithfulness is ruining our business. Their unfaithfulness is destroying our business. And that's our greatest need is to find somebody who knows how to be faithful. Somebody say amen. 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 You see, when you look into the Bible, you see these qualifiers. 
And you can see that there's so many things that the Bible tells us that produces faithfulness. And, you know, these qualifiers, and I, I want to look at some of those. I'm, I'm going I'm to read to you some, some verses in, in the Bible that talks to us about faithfulness. And turn over with me uh, to 1 Corinthians 4. I've got, I'm, I'm trying to cut down my sermon a little bit because I'm running out of time. I'm trying to see what I want to preach here and what I want to just leave. But look at 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4, it says, let, 1 Corinthians 4, 1, verse 1, Let a man account unto us as the ministers of Christ and the stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in, a steward, in stewards that a man be found faithful. Everybody say required. It's required. It's required that a man be found faithful. It is required. Not suggested. Required. Everybody say required. It's required that we be found faithful. And then turn over quickly to 2 Timothy. And we're going to look at a couple other. There, there's, I can give you scripture after scripture after scripture that talks about how God does not go by your resume. God does not go by how much education you have. God does not go by anything but faithfulness. And he says here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 2, and you'll see that he says it again. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou unto faithful men who shall be able to to teach others. See, you aren't able to teach others unless you're faithful. I don't care if you've got 10 PhDs. If you're not faithful to show up to that group of people to teach them, how many of you know you'll not teach them anything if you don't show up and you're not faithful to show up? I can have 10 PhDs, but if I never show up to class to teach my kids in my, in my room, then I can't teach them anything. He says, commit thou unto faithful men who are able to teach others also. See, in Christianity, it's more imparted. It's more caught than taught. And if we don't show up, and if we don't impart, and, in, and it, it's more caught than it is taught, and when we are faithful, that's how we impart things to others. And it says, commit thou unto faithful men who are able, really, to impart through their faithfulness to others. That's how they teach others is imparting through their faithfulness. See, Luke 10, 16, it says, he that is faithful in that which is least will have much. Everybody say much. How many of you want much this morning? Amen. He who is faithful with money will be given, will be entrusted with true riches. How many of you want to be entrusted with true riches in life? Amen. You know, you can be rich and if your kids are all going to hell and you've got cancer and, uh, and you, you, you've had to cheat, lie, and steal to get everything you have. How many of you know you're not really happy even though you've got a lot of money? See, true riches, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he has no sorrow with it. See, true riches is, yes, financial prosperity. Yes, your kids are all saved. Yes, you have great joy and a great marriage. Yes, you have a great family. Yes, you've got a great future in heaven for eternity. Yes, you've got a great ministry and you've led a lot of people to Christ and you have great rewards for eternity in heaven. Yes, that's, how many of you know true riches is different than what this world thinks? You can have a whole pile of money and be going to hell and the only thing you have over me is a greater pile of ashes on judgment day. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. That's all you got over the next guy. It's a bigger pile of ashes on judgment day. If you've got a ton of money and no relationship with God, uh, no uh, get, laying your life down and getting people saved, no walking with Jesus, no living a righteous life, uh, you don't have nothing. You've got a short-term life that's going to hell for eternity. You've got a little 70, 80 years. Pooh, what's that in terms of trillions of years in eternity? Because you know what, folks? We're never going to die. We're always going to exist, and we're either going to exist in heaven or in hell. We're going to exist with infamy and shame and regret for eternity, or we're going to exist with a completely new beginning and a new uh, status 
And God will place us according to how we did uh, this life and the works that we did will determine our place in eternity and the blessings that we'll share forever and forever and forever and forever. And it says, he that is faithful with money, with your tithe, with your offering, will be given true riches. Everybody say true riches. How many of you want true riches this morning? Then it says, and here's the hard one, he that will be faithful in another man's will be given his own. See, we'll be faithful with our stuff. And that's easy. That doesn't take much to do that. But you are going to be tested in those three things, and that which is least. Nobody wants, uh, uh, nobody wants to do what's least. Nobody wants the low job. Nobody wants to be the small man and the low man on the totem pole. Nobody, but see, God's going to let you be proved with that which is least. And then you'll be given much. He's going to let you be proved in that which is money. Because that really tells the truth about us. And then... If you can handle money, you can handle the anointing. You can handle overseeing people. You can handle true riches like ministry, like your family being blessed, and all these things with true prosperity and true blessing. And then lastly, if you're faithful to another man, you'll be given your own. You know, everybody in this world wants much. Everybody in this world wants riches, and everybody wants their own. But they take the wrong path to get there. See, the three results of those three proving grounds, excuse me, of faithfulness, if you're faithful with at least, you'll be given much. Anybody wants much? If you'll be faithful with your money, you'll be given true riches, which is, includes money and everything that goes beyond money and is much greater than money and that which is eternal and beyond money. And then when you're faithful in that which is another man's, you'll be given your own. How many of you know everybody wants their own? They, they want their own car. They want their own house. They want their own business. They want their own blessings. Can I get an Amen but they try to go the wrong way to get it. The way with God, the way up is down. It says, humble yourself and God will lift you up. Can I get an amen? amen. It says, you got to die to your life to gain it. you got to be faithful in the little things and God will put you in charge of big. You want something, I want something for my life. you got to be faithful in another man's. Then you'll have your own thing one day. But see, people today, they don't understand. They know that there's this faithfulness talking to them on the inside. I should be faithful. But you know, I, want, I, I don't want to waste time doing, doing their thing. I don't want to waste time in small things. I don't want them, i got to save my money. I don't want to give my money. I want, but see, but they have something in some to tell them to be faithful, but their flesh fights them and they don't want to be faithful. Can I get an amen? But the Bible says we can be faithful because if we live from the inside out. You know, Miriam said, why does God only speak to Moses? That's not fair. And if you look it up, in the, I can't remember which translation it was. It's the NEB translation. God says, he and he alone is completely faithful with all my flock. And he doesn't give any other... How many of you know, Moses said, I'm slow of speech and I'm not very eloquent. You look up in Exodus 4 and it says, Moses couldn't talk very well. Moses didn't have any natural leadership skills. God put him over an entire nation. And then Miriam got all ticked off and says, why does... God, why do you speak? Does, does God only speak to you, Moses, you arrogant thing? Are you the only one around here that can hear from God about this thing? 
And it says, and God was mad, and God showed up and says, yes, as a matter of fact, he is the one I talked to, and he's the only prophet I've ever talked to face-to-face in all the Bible. And then another place it says that there was nobody whom God talked to -to face-to-face except Moses. Here's this kind of quiet, backwards-acting guy that didn't talk very good, and she's thinking, well, he he ain't much. What's God doing talking to him? And he doesn't have very much leadership skill. I think God ought to be talking to me. I'm smarter. I'm more articulate. I think God ought to be talking to me. And why isn't God, God, why isn't it? Why is it you're only talking? God shows up and he was mad and he said, Miss Miriam, he's the only one that's faithful. When, you, when everybody's down there making a golden calf, he's up on the mountain with me getting the Ten Commandments. When everybody's murmuring against him and murmuring against me, he's off in a place interceding for the people that are talking down on him. He says, Miss Miriam, I'm a little ticked off at you, and uh, I'm going to take my hand of protection off of you for questioning Moses, because he is the only faithful one, and I'm taking my hands off of you. And all of a sudden, she was covered with, with leprosy. And you who were the only one that volunteered to pray for her to get delivered from her leprosy and went and interceded and begged God, don't, don't let that leprosy stay on her. Take it away from her. Healer, God. Healer, God. Who was it? It was Moses, the only faithful one. Faithfulness is important. Faithfulness will advance you. Faithfulness will get you a better job, more money, and a better position in life. Faithfulness will get you much. Faithfulness will give you true riches. And faithfulness will bring you to your own. But some people don't want to be faithful. They don't want to believe in faithfulness. But the Bible says a faithful man will abound with blessings. Everybody's too busy doing their thing. Everybody's too busy wanting to do the big things. Everybody's too busy keep, you know, doing things for money instead of being faithful to God with money. And, it's, and they're going just the opposite direction that'll get them exactly what they don't want. And they need to turn around and get on the path of faithfulness and start doing it just the opposite of the way their flesh wants to do. And it'll get them everything that they do want in the long term. Because faithful men will abound. Everybody say, faithful men will abound with blessings. Those three tests that the devil wants to bring and those three proving grounds that God wants to bring is this. Be faithful in those small things. That's a proving ground. God's going to prove to you and to yourself and to the devil and to everybody that you can be faithful. He's going to prove to you not only in small things, but he's going to prove to you in, as it says, dirty mammon, unrighteous mammon, and he'll commit to you the true riches of God. Be faithful in other man's and you'll have your own. Let's stand up this morning. Amen. God gave no other criterion as to why he spoke only to Moses, and he only spoke to one man ever face to face, and it was Moses. He gave only one reason why. He says he was the most faithful man. He didn't give, well, Moses was, you know, prayed real hard, and I gave it to him. Oh, Moses just had favor. Oh, it was the sovereign will of God. No, no, no. He didn't say any of those things. He didn't say he had a better resume. No, no. He said the reason is because he alone is the most faithful man. Faithfulness will set you apart from all the others that are all around you. Can I get an amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you that faithfulness will cause us to walk in blessings. How many of you want to be blessed this morning? Raise your hands. Say, I believe that I can walk out of my inward man. I can live out of my spirit. I can experience the fruits of the spirit. 
which are faithfulness. And when I live by the Spirit, by the Spirit of faithfulness, Father, I believe that I will abound with blessings. So, Father, help me to be faithful. Because my flesh doesn't want to be faithful. My Old Testament man, my outward man, doesn't want to be faithful. But my spirit man, my inward man, my New Testament man has faithfulness. Let me live out of that part of my being in Jesus' name.